We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, coming at you from Blue Wire Studios in the Wind Resort in Las Vegas. Man, thank you, everyone, again, 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 for supporting on Patreon. I can't say it enough. Everyone on there, you guys are the best. Love the Corner Club OGs as well, regular Corner Club members. You guys are amazing. Everyone on there. Uh, jump in the Discord, though. I need to, need to chat it up a bit more. We have a lot of stuff going on this week. And it's usually popping mostly during wrestling. So I, I got it. Yeah. This weekend, though, we'll be on there so we can talk everything that goes down in Perth. You going to be up? You going to be awake for that? I might be awake for that. You wild. I might be awake for that on Saturday. I might go out. I'm not going to lie. I might go out Friday night, come back, just watch it, and then crash. So I, I think I'm going to stay awake for it. If not, I'll catch in the morning. Still, Discord going up. And then next weekend, AEW in a reasonable time. We yes. get to talk during that and uh, really just have fun. Hear my hot takes. Me, producer Cole Bebe, you know, fantasy booking in there. The old man popping in, shooting down all the shit that we just said for that past hour before then. So it's a ton, ton of fun during wrestling events. Got to get it popping for boxing and MMA as well. So we appreciate everyone over there for coming through. By the way, if you're listening to us traditionally on a podcast streaming app make sure you give us a like and subscribe on there nice little review goes far as well today though dre we're starting the week with mma it's because we just had one hell of a pay-per-view and then the ufc is coming back right away with a mexico city card that is also stacked on the main card yep and it's just like okay they they decided to stop playing games they're like okay we're gonna put our best foot forward we're gonna put michael chandler on wwe raw calling out conor mcgregor you know, we're, we're going to pull out all the stops now. And we'll talk about the pay-per-view here in a second before we get into the Mexico City card. And uh, to end the show, we have our guest coming in, Chris Duncan, fighting Manuel Torres in Mexico, hostile environment. So we'll talk to him as well. That'll be fun. I got to get your thoughts on the crossover stuff. Chandler promo, yay or nay? Uh, um. <laughs> you Aren't you on Busted Open right after? No, you were on no, Busted Open, on Busted Open on the Saturday. weekend. Yes. Yeah, on Saturday after SmackDown. I I like the crossover to a degree. 
But this felt like they were like, they pushed the button for crossover. There's like, crossover! Have Michael, because they have Bianca and Montez at UFC. Yeah. So like, they're, they're trying to create the synergy. Thing is, like, a lot of wrestlers like MMA. I don't know if a lot of MMA fighters like wrestling, right? I don't think it goes both ways. True. They but all I, think they can do it, though. They all think they can cut a promo. Sure. And be Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair. Yeah. Like, a lot of them understand what a promo does. But a lot of, like, pro wrestlers like MMA. Yeah. Like, a lot of wrestlers I talk to, we talk about MMA. So I can see the crossover working and Chandler, like, you know, cutting a promo on Connor, which it don't mean shit. It ain't, it ain't getting Connor to go, you know what? I need to fight him now. Not at all. But this that's is what, what did it. This bashed me on Raw. Yeah, like who gives a shit? <laughs> but it, it, TKO, I get what they're doing. It, it makes sense. And you have to have some crossover. The, the crossover isn't what it should be. The crossover actually should be UFC walkouts should be like pro wrestling entrances. That's the problem. Like the, pride walkouts? Yes. <laughs> like... Old school. You want to bring it back. Come on, man. Like, listen, the, the blandest thing about MMA is the walkout. Like, we like the fights, but the walkouts are lame. Yeah. Pro wrestling entrances. The like, music is great because they can license music. Yeah, but but uh, you're just walking yeah. through a tiny tunnel. Look, look, look. Whenever people play the WWE video games, you spend a lot of time watching the entrances. Yeah. Because the entrances are what matter. So if the UFC was about entrances... We'd be caring about entrances. You know Kobe Covington would come out full on Cody Rhodes. I'm, I'm all for it. L- like, listen, listen. Whoa. I think he's <laughs> like, again, y'all know how I feel about Kobe Covington, but everything it works is pro- with the gimmick. Yeah, everything is pro wrestling. So if we had, for instance, when we get into the pay-per-view, if we had Paulo Costa with like a, a different kind of interest that showed off his personality with the juice, with the secret juice, or we had Ilya Taporia with like a full on like Spanish entrance, like, you know, we got Volkanovski with his Australian entrance, but we had like a kangaroo walking out with him. Like, make this shit enter sports entertainment. Kangaroos are like very hostile creatures. Yeah, they probably why. kick a motherfucker yeah. in the chest. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's where the crossover should be. The thing that's lacking in the UFC is the presentation. Because the fight is the fight. And the post-fight interviews are often forced and feel utterly ridiculous. But if the walkout was unique and interesting... That'd be great. Like, if you had... Nothing's better than that Conor Mendez walkout. Yeah, dog. That, Sinead O'Connor and every... And I don't know and why they don't do it minimum. anymore. Right? That's the only time I've seen that. Like, I don't know why they don't do that anymore. Like, these interests should feel like a big deal for every major fight. And I get it. Dana's not very interested in that stuff, but that's what makes fighters fighters. They only do it for Conor. He had the smoke against Abib. Undertaker yeah. style, the billowing smoke. And then he got smoked, but... <laughs> It is what it is. But the crossover should be beyond just like a UFC fighter at WWE. Like there should it should feel a lot more organic, and it doesn't yet. But it'll take some time. Yeah, I Chandler's promo. He kind of lost me in the beginning, but he pulled it back together. I mean, look, man, he he got too hyped, and I understand because you may think like you're cutting a promo like in the mirror in the bathroom or something. You're like, I got this shit. Like, I nah, crush it. Ain't the same. And then they gave him the mic and the adrenaline kicked in. Yeah. And he was just yelling like real angrily. And it was like, yo, calm down a little bit so we can understand what you're saying. And then he brought it in. But then he's like, Conor McGregor. And I was just like, uh, you cut a promo on what you think promos sound like. Yeah, it don't sound like that. No, they don't sound like that. It, it don't sound like that. But 
I get it. I get the sentiment. Like everybody thinks they can do until the lights turn on. Yeah, yeah. The lights come on, you, you be like, oh high. shit. Like <laughs> wait too much. I have to actually cut a promo. But it it's fine. Like I expected this to happen. It's just it's gonna feel clunky for at least a couple months till they figure it out. Again, Bianca and Montez was at UFC two ninety eight. Yeah. And there's a better way to utilize them. Like they're in the crowd watching the fight. And, you know, Bianca's at her first UFC fight, Montez too. Like I saw him at a the press conference, we talked about it. I was like, what are y'all going to be doing? It's like, we're just going to enjoy the fights. I was like, it should be better integration. Like, there's, there's better ways to do this. Like Chandler got a mic. Yeah, like, um, like there's, there's something they could what, what I can't remember what women fighter walked out to Bianca's music in her UFC Fight Night card. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like, there's better ways oh, to, to, to utilize. And Not do. Angie Hill? No, nah, I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> it, it was that's actually like, it's like a Mexican fighter. Wow, that's dope. So there's ways to use that crossover that feels really organic. They haven't figured it out. They got time. Yeah, it's it's young in the game for them. Yeah. Um, but no, you you had mentioned UFC 298. It's the natural place to start. Yeah, let's start. The card on paper, the main card, stacked. And for the most part, the fights were okay to begin the card. Yeah, we're fine. It didn't live up to what I what I thought it was going to no. be, but and I'm just run through all these because you know where the hell we're getting to. Yes, but Anthony Hernandez uh, submits Kabalov. Yo, I had that going the wrong direction. I did too. I think a lot of people did because Kabalov had a tremendous takedown defense. Yeah, and then Anthony Hernandez took him down, and Kabalov was like, "I don't know what to do from here." I never did. <laughs> like, look, I stopped takedowns. I don't know what to do when I'm actually taken down, and Hernandez choked him out. He cracks the top 15 in the middleweight middleweight division? Yeah, yeah. middleweight. So now it's uh, Anthony Hernandez is a player now. But, uh, yeah, Kabbalah was like, I know how to stop takedowns, but once I get here, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That's a, that's a lot of the game for people. Yeah. Uh, Marab versus Cejudo. Went, uh, look, the first round I was like, what is Marab doing? He was allowing Cejudo to take the center of the octagon. He was striking with him. And then the second round, Marab was like, I know what I'm doing. And he made, you can see, I told you, in that third round, you work. Marab looked at Cejudo. Cejudo was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it was like, fuck. And the worst part about it is Aljo revealing that they sparred for 15 minutes before the fight started. Like real, all out. Yeah. Getting it. Aljo was like, yo, he kicked me in the calf and it hurt. And I'm like, bro, like this guy's a maniac. But I, it's like I said, like Cejudo, <laughs> Cejudo retired. And they asked Dana. Dana was like, you're already retired. Like, what the fuck am I giving the mic for? It was Marab's moment. Dana was absolutely right. Yeah. Like, you don't get the mic again. You already retired once. But Marab is that guy. He is that guy. To be fair, Cejudo probably comes back again. He might. I think Cejudo's in an interesting spot where you were the flyweight champion. You clearly can't make that. Right? That's tough. Yeah, at Bantamweight, there's O'Malley, there's Corey Sanhagen, there's Piotr Young. Like, you probably ain't beating, like, the top five. Yeah. What are you going to do, go up to featherweight? And you're mincemeat at featherweight. Yeah. No, the the key is, is cutting. Because that division's wide open. Also, Cejudo's 37. That's the other problem. Yeah, it might be tough. He wasted a lot of time thinking he was bigger than he was. Did you see the payout? No. So... They release a uh, shout out to Manuk, uh, a copian over at LA Times. He released the payouts in LA. So who only got paid 150 grand, which was like fifth highest on the card. Vote, Taporia, 
um, Costa, Whitaker, somebody else got paid more than Zudo. And I was like, that's crazy. You were holding out for all that bread and you got only got $150,000? Guaranteed. You on a 150 and 150? Yeah, you got dragged. I think it was just 150 guaranteed. No pay-per-view points. You're the former champ. Yeah. Like you held out. Yeah, you held out to get more bread and you ended up getting no more bread. And you got your ass dragged. Podcast with Tyson. Yep. You got your ass dragged. So he's 0-2 on the return. Yeah. Well, that didn't sucks go to be you. Fun. Yeah, the game catches you fast. Marab's um, a yeah, he's he's next in line. Strangely is, enough, he is not going. They, they they will do everything in their power to keep him away from Sean. O'Mara. They announced it. They announced it, um, it. Never happens. Immediately after Marab wins, was it Rogan or Cormier? Whoever got the after, I was like, you get the next, next title. Shot, yeah, it was Cormier. He's getting the next next title shot. It's happening now. The interesting thing is the as, camera panned to O'Malley after the main event, and we will talk. We'll talk about that, but. Depending on how O'Malley looks against Cheeto Vera, it, that's what it really depends on. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, there's still a path to victory for O'Malley against Marab. Marab stands and strikes with you. You can knock him out. Like, People have. Like, if, you, if, you, if Marab does what he, does against, what he did against Cejudo, O'Malley has a chance. But if Marab says, fuck that, I'm just putting my head in your chest for, for 25 minutes, he has no chance. No, it's tough. So we'll see. Like Sean O'Malley's talking about going to featherweight. Like he's talking about a bunch of wild shit. Like he's on his Connor shit. We'll, we'll talk about. It. They ain't no more Connors. It's a wrap. <laughs> he's it's on over. his Connor shit. And then uh, Ian Gary versus Jeff Neal. I don't care about the fight. Ian Gary wins. To me, he should win. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a fight for him to win. Cool. Great. Where did all this hate? For Ian Machado Gary come from? I don't know. I just know. figured out he took his wife's maiden name. Yeah. Or married name. He took his wife's married name. Yeah. And put it as part of his name so that the kids could all have the same name. Wouldn't get confused. Whatever. Outside of that, and like occasional jokes, because if you're ribbing him for that, I get it. That's pretty funny. Outside of that, I don't know where this wave of hate came from. Yo, it's a crazy wave of hate. Between his wife, his technique... How he fought Jeff Neal. And Ian was very straightforward. He's like, yo, if that big motherfucker's coming at you, what would you do? Run. Bitch, that's what I did. And he's like, he's powerful. Yes. That's all he got. I think Ian Machado Gary is a really good fighter. I think he, you know, he said he'd fight Kobe Covington next, which I keep saying I want Kobe Covington fed to Shavcat, but I'm fine with the Machado Gary fight. Yeah. I don't understand where all this hate came from. Like it came. And it's been like, just like they just raining on Machado Gary. Like he's trash and he's not. He's a good fighter. When they signed him, the hype was is that he's kind of like, he could be McGregor esque. Sure. And they signed we him. We got to stop that narrative. That was, for everybody. you know, that's, if you're Irish or anywhere from over, Scottish. It's like everybody's Floyd. And like, yeah, like they're like, yo, he could be the night. Uh, shit, even Patty. Yeah, if you're if you're from anywhere around the UK, like if you got some charisma, yeah, you got an accent. Yo, you're the next. Con- but when I looked at, him, I was like, honestly, well rounded. Like he don't good. got the power of a Connor, but well rounded, probably more well rounded when he was signed than Connor. Like yeah. he has less holes in his game than Connor ever did. And if you want to get behind somebody, I thought this would be the guy. I, I mean, I, I like Ian Machado Gary. I think he says some cringy shit, 
Um, I can't remember what fight it was where it was like, we don't talk about beating our kids. That was stupid. Yeah, I mean, the guys are weird. I mean... But but fighters are weirdos. MMA, yeah. yeah. Fighters are fucking weirdos. Is and he I, any more weird than half the other people? No. He's in the but I thought he fought a good fight against Jeff Neal. I thought he deserved to win. Uh, I don't think it was a robbery. And I think he is a guy that's in the top five of the welterweight division. I think he's that good. I think he's got great lateral movement. He's got great oblique kicks. He controls range well. He stays out of, of trouble in striking distance. He does a lot of things really well. And some people just don't like how technically sound he is. And people don't like movement. They don't like people moving around. No. Like they, Jeff Neal is heavy on his front foot and like plants and throws. And Ian was like, I ain't standing there waiting for that shit. I'm getting out of the way. Stand and bang, bro. So, yeah, I, I didn't understand the hate. Machado, Gary's really good. Uh, I'm always entertained when I see him fight. I think he's got a great fighting style. Very weird. People are very weird right now, man. And then Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa. Bobby Knuckles wins. I thought he was going to win the whole time. Me too. I was impressed by Paulo Costa. Me too. I was <laughs> when he spit when he hit the spinning heel kick at the end of the first round. I thought it was done. Yeah, I thought I was like Robert Whitaker's dead, and that shit came quick. Yeah, there was no telegraphing, nothing. This was the best version of Paulo Costa I think we've ever seen. Cardio and in his in a loss, he looked phenomenal, right? So I feel like in the middleweight division, he is a problem for a lot of people. Um, but the right guy won. Robert Whitaker is still that dude. He still got a chin out, made out of granite. Like, if he sees it coming, granted, like, I know he didn't see the, the spinning heel kick coming. Yeah. But he's got a, he's got a hell of a chin. Um, but Robert Whitaker still fights the same way I always said that what did him against Israel Adesanya, he still fights very robotic. Yeah. Like, 1-1-2, one, 1-1-2, one, 1-1-2. One, 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 if you can't figure it out, then he wins. But if you're like an Alice Perea or Israel Adesanya, you can neutralize all that all shit. All across the time, day. Yeah. Like, like, you figure it out. Him, he just ran out of time. That's all. But I thought, like, to me, I took more away from Costa losing than Whitaker winning. I did, too. I, I, maybe it's because I just came in with the expectation of Whitaker was going to yeah. win. But Paulo Costa, the shape he was in, the cardio, like, I've never seen his cardio look this No, way. he looked great. Look, looked great. He was quick on all his strikes. He looked like the faster, more explosive. Yes. He wasn't just a big lumbering guy. It, it wasn't him, Yoel Romero. Nah, man. Like, everything was fast twitch. I was like, okay, this is the guy who won all those fights with the right opponent. I, th- I think he'd look great at light heavy. Yeah, He's a big-ass dude, and if he can be that quick at light heavy, I love his chances. Um, I'm not saying he has to move up yet, right? but it's one of those things where if you're blocked from a title contention type thing, maybe you start considering that eventually. Perhaps. But um, I, I think he'd do well up there. I, I think he now has a new lease on his career because yes. of what he showed. If he can remain that, just that smart, that level of intent during fights, he's going to be dangerous. He so. was disciplined. Like, he fought a yeah. very disciplined fight. He didn't, ex- he didn't exhaust his gas tank in the first or second round. He was poised. He picked his spots very well. He looked really good. Yeah. It's one of the few times where I looked at the loser and I was like, yeah, you, you lost, but I was impressed. Damn near could have won that fight. It was that close. It's just that, that last minute. Like, Whitaker is just, the way he closed round yeah. two and three, Yeah, it's just, you can tell which one of them were a champion before. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And that's some shit you can't teach. Absolutely. Whitaker is just, I know how to close this. And I know how to win these close ones. Yep. Uh, before we go to the main event, Mackenzie Dern won that damn fight. No, she didn't. Mackenzie Dern won the fight, Dre. No, she didn't. Had Amanda Lemos in hell in the first round. <sighs> Look. Second round, okay, she loses on the feet. Third round, she has she has the takedown. She's threatening four to five submissions the entire time. What did Amanda Lemos do in the third round? What did, Nothing. I mean, look, man. Mackenzie had a limb. She almost wrapped her up in a, in a heel hook twice. She was threatening the entire time. Nick's in the booth. Judges and people do not care about jujitsu anymore. They do not know how to score it. They do not know what is a defensive position from an offensive position. They see someone on their back or on their ass and think they are not in control. When entire time in that third round, Mackenzie Dern was threatening, had Lima scared for her life in three different positions because her ass was about to get tapped out. Mackenzie Dern, for some reason, can't lock in these submissions. But she threatened the entire time and was in an offensive position from her back. They don't know how to score it. Look, man, let's just be honest about Mackenzie Dern. She's not that good. Better in this fight than a lot of fights. My point is, is that her striking... She's ranked like third in the division. Her striking is awful. Not great. It's awful. It's not even not great. It's awful. And I know Angela Hill sitting there going, what happened to this motherfucker? Like, in the Angie Hill fight, Mackenzie's striking looked good. It looked good in the first round. Then she got cracked in the nose she, and shelled up. She got the Ryan Garcia, right? Where she starts turning your back, her back? Yeah. She has that really bad. She got hit in the nose and ran. And for a lot of judges, it's like, who would I prefer to be? And you keep looking at Mackenzie's face, and it's just melting down. That's tough. Mackenzie Dern, I don't know who she's got to get with in terms of striking. But I think we're getting to the point where it's just not going to get better. And she's in a tough spot because her jujitsu, her non-MMA jujitsu is so good. Yes. That we expect her to be better. But she can't lock in a submission to save her life. I don't need her to work on her striking. The hell to strike. No, she has to. Work it may never striking. get better, Drake. She has I'm to. I'm taking the L. She has to. I need her to go spend, don't fight, six months with Charles Oliveira. Six months. And say, why do we end up in the same positions? Because a long time he didn't have striking. And then he did. And cool, I can learn some striking from me. But every time you're on the ground... In a good, favorable position, you finish someone. Every time I'm in the same position, I can't do anything. You show me the difference between my jujitsu and what your jujitsu looks like, and why you can, why you have the most submissions in UFC history, and I haven't had one in like four years. I asked Nick this the other day. Me and him were talking like outside the booth. I was like, "Yo, did she ever do jujitsu without a gi?" And I, I, I don't know how to look this up, but. I'm pretty sure in a gi, she's wrapping everyone in a pretzel. When eighty-five percent of her wins in a gi, it's like, yo, you don't have that cloth. You can't grab. People are slippery. You got to figure some other shit out. So here, here's the issue. Here's the actual issue with Mackenzie Dern. This is why she has to work on her striking, because everybody that prepares for her prepares for the same shit. Just ground shit. That's it. Like, just survive. Because Mackenzie will put herself in uh, disadvantageous positions to try to fish for a submission, but it doesn't look good. Yeah. Right? So, with no threat of a ground and pound, with no threat of a stand-up game, 
I'm coming in with tunnel vision. The only way McKenzie beat, can beat me is she submits me. So all I got to do is if it gets on the ground, I'm blocking. I'm, I'm not. She's not great at advancing. No. Like if you watch her ground game, she fishes for submissions from wherever she's at. She's best off her back, and that does not look no. Good. Like Charles Oliveira, when he be started becoming a threat with his striking, you had a lot of, to worry about. So he would hurt you. Like that was Charles's thing. He would hurt you and submit you because you were dazed. You couldn't yeah. figure out what was going on. Mackenzie's not hurting anybody. Your all your wits are about. Yeah, you. you're like I'm here and yeah. she's here, and I'm like, oh, I know what she's about to do now. Yeah. There's no threat for ground and pound. Mackenzie Dern's never gonna get any better. It's she's reached that point in her career where it's like, she's I don't fun gatekeeper. She's past that. She's not even. She's not. She's not top five in the division. I still think she won this fight. Which you would have put her at three, but sure. She's she man, can compete with the third best in the division. You'll hang around for her. She she'll hang around and she'll still book fights, but she's gotta develop another another dimension to her game where people respect ground and pound. Take like even her takedowns are whack. Yeah, she had better takedowns. Her first round takedown, I was like, I was looking and I thought of you. It's like, ah, she shot for a single. Yeah. But you got there's you gotta do more of that. Like yeah. there's second round she tried it, I punch in the nose. Start leaking. And she don't like that. Like, yo, this girl does not. She pulled guard. She was on her back. Really, the ref could have stopped it. Because she ran, turned her back. Yeah. That didn't work. She just ran on the ground and curled up into a ball. She threw one up kick that was really high. I mean, was it the second round when she got dropped and started doing the bicycle kicks? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, like, this is not, this doesn't look good. No, no. That could have been a 10-8 round. If you want to call it a draw, I'll give you a draw. She won the third. Look, I, I it's just not pretty. I'm not arguing that Mackenzie Dern wins anything. <laughs> I'm just not. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's not pretty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
main event, Alexander Volkanovsky, Ilya Teporia. Ah, fuck. One day I'm just letting Nick take my seat on this damn show when we're talking MMA. Because uh, Nick Diaz, if you guys don't follow Nick, Veterans Minimum, I don't know what the hell you guys are doing in your life. But uh, we did the show with him. It has to be a year ago now. It was, mm-hmm. it was a while. Over the summer? Me- oh, no. Yeah, Nick was going somewhere weird, like Columbia and shit. So we, we pre-recorded this. So it was like probably eight months ago. And we did, you know, our championship predictions, yeah. our champion predictions. And immediate, Ilya Teporia, Ilya Teporia, Ilya Teporia. And I was like, okay. I see him leaving himself open a lot. He does. Um, the level of competition was there. And he had to beat Volk yep. to become champion. It was a lot of shit stacked against him. Um, Nick was confident. This motherfucker was right. Ilya was confident all week. Only thing that gave me pause and trepidation, and again, smartest shit Conor McGregor ever said, the chin never recovers. Ain't the chin, it's the age. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced o- now. I'm okay with the age. I'm not. When he got knocked out, dog, and you move up, and then you get knocked out, and it's just like, now you know you can be, and your body knows you can be. I, I don't no think it's the out. chin. I, I'm dead ass. Nobody aside from Tyron Woodley has won over the age of 35 in the championship fight. It's the age. Under 170. Yep, under 170. Nobody. Nobody. So, Volk came out with a plan. Very kick-heavy. Very counter-heavy. The, the crazy thing about Ilya Teporia is he fights one way. And it's just his boxing. Like, yeah, he landed some decent calf kicks, right? And they were actually really good calf kicks. But it was really just his boxing. Yeah, he was tearing that front leg up, though. And... He doesn't have to do anything else because he's so explosive and so powerful. It was the thing that I was worried about, but I thought Volk, which he did well in the first round for a while, he was like, all right, picking him off. But he was still, if we were doing this in real time, if we were talking, if I was on commentary that night, the moment I saw Volk pull his head straight back, he's getting knocked out. That's exactly, I didn't watch the fight until later. Yeah. Like I, I used you guys in the group chat. I watched it like two in the morning. But the first time he pulled his head straight back, I was like, oh, fuck, he's getting knocked out. The reason why I thought that is because Volk never has really done that before, which means there is a level of apprehension and fear of what's coming back at you. Sure. And Taporia is very straightforward. I'm coming at you. My hands are high, and I'm throwing hands. And Volk was throwing a lot of kicks, which I was like, There's, he's throwing a lot of kicks. And kicks are exhausting. Yeah. Right. I think Volk has great cardio, but when you're doing that, you're basing it off a strategy you saw in previous fights, which is fine. But when you start pulling your head straight back, I'm like, all it takes is a looping right hand to put you to sleep because you can only pull your head back so far until your back's up against the cage. I'll tell you, Ilya Taporia's team did an amazing job with that strategy. It's because what stops Volk from pulling his head back, which we're why we never really saw, but what changed and again, there's shit that you can't, you, you can't stop your mind from thinking, right? And I think DC said at one point, Volk is always lateral, left and yes. right. It's how he fights. Lateral, he stops, he'll switch stance or whatever. But he wants to get you moving laterally, he'll pick you off with his jab and everything. You yeah. can't catch him. It's very hard to cut off the ring on Volk. Now, that standard Volk, the one time he did that, that it didn't work out, was his fight previous to this. Went laterally, caught a kick to the head. So now you're a little bit more timid on going left to right 
because you took a head kick and walked right into that shit. Which, you know, credit uh, Islam and his team. It's like the guy goes left to right. He's going to walk into something. So we throw a kick, he walked into it. Now Volk is thinking, all right, left to right, maybe, maybe I can. But I'm a little more hesitant with that shit. Immediately, Ilio's like, I'm not chasing you. I'm taking away your front leg. And we're going to see how long you can move left to right on one fucking leg. And instead, and I knew it was trouble, instead of Volk switching out of Southpaw, because he fights in both stances. Yes. Instead of him going to an orthodox stance and saying, all right, well, now you can't kick this lead leg because Ilya's not going to change. Like you said, no. you're not going to switch your stance, so you're not going to hit my right leg. And I can continue going left to right, and I'm not in danger. And I'm pretty sure if you pull up the Islam fight, Volk was probably in an orthodox stance, not a southpaw when he got kicked in the fucking head. So when you're looking at this, and Volk is only in southpaw, and it's like, yo, just switch orthodox, bro. And he can't kick your lead leg. You can go left and right, and you're fine. When he stood in southpaw, oh, now you can't go left or right. And then you start going front and back, and you pull back. And you're not moving. And that's exactly where his line of sight was. And Ilya said, if you're not going to switch, I'm going to just keep kicking your leg, and we're going to stop all that movement shit. And now we're in a phone booth. And I got you. And, and Volk, I would have loved to see him or his corner make that adjustment. And this is three fights in a row for that team where you don't make in-fight adjustments. Who? For Volk? For City Kickboxing. Oh, well, okay. You're talking about the Adesanya Strickland fight, too. Okay. Adesanya Strickland. Yeah. Pereira's in the corner. Yeah. Pereira says, I know what to do against Izzy in this moment. Well, Izzy, Izzy made the adjustments in the second. Strick, Strickland, Strickland. No, no, I'm saying. He told Strickland. Yeah. If you do this to Izzy, this is how he's going to react. Now, Izzy caught Pereira, and, but, but yo, Strickland, use your defense. This is the one shit he's going to throw. This is how you fight him. And you can catch him. Strickland did that. As soon as Izzy got hurt, there was no adjustments. Right. He just got his ass whooped for the rest of the fight and said, well, now we got to go back to the drawing board. That was in the second round against Izzy. It went five. Yeah. And Izzy won the first. Mm -hmm. No adjustments. For Volk, in this, his leg was done after the first. No adjustment. Into the second round, he gets knocked out. Vogue against Islam. Yo, the same shit in the first fight is not working. You just rolled off the couch. You know, we got to try something different. Islam stood on the feet, kicked his head off. So it's like, you're about three fights now where there's no in-fight adjustments. And your only answer to shit, we're going to get back in the gym. We're going to train. We're going to fix this. What's going on during and in between rounds? I mean, all right, so let's start here. One... I was wrong, right? <laughs> Most people were. But the thing is, the reason why I was wrong is what separates MMA from boxing is the margin for error is so small in MMA compared to boxing. Because Volkanovski, if it was boxing, we had heavier gloves, he could have got away with that shit for multiple rounds, yeah. right? Because he was like... Taporia's nose was turning red because yeah. he was peppering him with that jab. Oh, the jab was landing. So, like, for instance, if you're not a big puncher in boxing, you got a great jab like Devin Haney, for instance, 
you can get hit with a heavy shot and be like, all right, cool. I can deal with that and I can go back to what I was doing. You don't got that margin for error in, in MMA. And what Taporia knew was like, I know how explosive I am. If I can close the distance, I can finish the job. There's not much of an adjustment that you can have. Your corner can't help you. And once, because the things happen so fast. Like you get in the octagon with somebody, you realize, oh, he's a lot more explosive than I thought, right? I have to adjust. Well, how the fuck do you make that adjustment? Adesanya, we got to take him out of the equation. Adesanya clearly underestimated Sean Strickland. Clearly. Volk didn't underestimate it to Poria. He just got caught up in like, oh, fuck. He's faster than I thought. After the first round, someone in that corner got to go, change your stance. He's kicking the shit out your, of your, your leg. Corner change the stance. Your corner can't save you. In a fight like that, your corner can't save you. Because it's, it's legitimately one gotta, punch. Got to try something. Like, yo, your legs are ready. Worst case, even if you don't get knocked out, we got... 20 more minutes of him kicking this leg. We got to switch stances. The best fighters in the world don't adjust because of their corner. No, they, they adjust, adjust themselves. Yes, fight. they adjust because of what they're dealing yeah. with. And Zaporia, again, it's a very strange thing because he fights one way. He hasn't had to show us anything else over the past, like, five fights. He closes distance. He's super explosive. And if he gets his hands on you, he's going to hurt you. And it's... Guard high, come in, step inside, make sure you can't circle away, cut you off, land the right hand, land a flying knee, whatever it is, right? He's so explosive, they all, like, again, I thought, he leaves himself open because he opens up so wide yeah. that Volk could counter with the right hand. Volk didn't even have time because Volk couldn't figure it out that quick. Like, this shit was coming fast to him. So what Taporia did, it was like, uh, it's, it's a very MMA thing. Connor did the same thing. I was about to say, Connor was very. It's like, if you can't figure out this part of my game, I ain't got to show you the rest. No. I can just show you this, no. and you can't deal with it. Mm -hmm. So, Volk got caught up in a situation where it was like, this is happening so fast. I'm pulling my head back. Cardinal sin in boxing. Cardinal sin in any combat sport to pull your head straight back. Poria yep. knocked him out. And it was one punch. Like, the lead kicks were great, but he didn't really hurt him until he landed that right hand. And by the time he landed that right hand, it wasn't like, oh, that was a big punch. I can figure it was lights out. Yeah. New champ, end of everything. 18 champions in 18 months. The UFC has had 18 champions in 18 months. It's insane because now people are like, this is the new guy. Do you know now that Volk has lost? The longest reigning champion in the UFC has two, two title defenses? Beyond Edwards. Two. In like three years. Two. Kobe Covington and Kamara Usman in the rematch. Yeah. That's the longest reigning champion in any weight class. And, I, and I'm going to circle it to this. Not how you build stars. This is why the UFC doesn't build stars. Because I don't have time. Conor McGregor was a mistake. Like I said, I've said it a million times. Conor McGregor, like... There are people that say, well, they need a Conor McGregor. No, they don't. Because you can't hit your wagon to somebody that might get knocked out in this next fight. Right now you have, how many divisions are there? There's heavy, light heavy. Eight for men. Middle, welter, lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight, flyweight. So that's eight weight eight classes. Eight for men. And then the winner. for women? Yeah. That's 11 weight classes. Nobody has more than two title defenses. So... 
if you give somebody that much power, even O'Malley, you build them into a star before they get to the title. Well, that's that's the problem. O'Malley. The problem is once you get to the title, your system's flawed. It's not flawed. It's flawed in a good way where they're going to only fight killers. But the thing is, is this is the reason why they race them up the ladder. Because you can lose on any given night. So if you're Sean O'Malley, it's like they gave him Peter Young because it was like if he fights Cheeto, he might lose. If he fights Sanhagen, he might lose. He's probably going to lose to Marab. One, two, skip a few of them in the title fight. Right? But this is the reason why. Make your money while you're making money. This is the reason why they don't build stars anymore. Because it's so volatile that anybody can lose. We build fights. Fuck stars. But are you saying that... MMA wasn't as volatile 15, what would now be 15, 20 years ago? MMA has been volatile for the entirety of his existence. But you have Anderson Silva's amazing run. You have, uh, damn, Jose, Jose Aldo's amazing run. That was in WC. Even UFC run was he, he long. Had a, but, but I'm saying, long. but the, the game catches up to you at a certain point. Like GSP, long. We can't get one of these guys. No. We had them all active at the same Everybody's time. catching up. This is my point. I'm bringing it all Nunes back. Nunes was the last one that's in their cloth. Let me bring it back. Ilya Teporia has relied heavily on one discipline to get him a title, right? You don't have to be well-rounded. You don't have to be like, my jiu-jitsu is as good as my striking. Focus on one fucking thing, and the UFC be like, fuck it, we're running you up the ladder. Yeah, it's the Ronda Rousey. It's the no, Ronda McGregor. it's the Alex Perea. Alex Perea's fucking ground game is awful. Oh, it's horrendous. They brought him in for one reason and one reason only. Deal with the other striker. And he's now he, he's, we'll talk about UFC 300. Yeah. But now it's like he's been a, he's won titles in two way classes. And everybody that looks at him goes, he has no ground game. We ain't got time for that shit. We're going to have you fight a striker. Hamzat's like, let me get a visa. Right. And they're like. Somebody. And they're like, no. <laughs> no, no. Because we don't got time for that. Like, we're going we're gonna to get him his, like, his couple title defenses. And then he's going to lose. They know he's going to lose. That brings me to a question. The only per- people to buck your trend. And I'll, I'll ask you, is this because? Two things equal. Islam. Okay. Great run. So far. But he's, he's lost, right? Long ago. But he lost. Sure. Yeah. Long ago. They'll give you one loss. Long ago. Yeah. Islam. Habib. hmm And then, I, I would say, now you have a guy like Hamza on the horizon. Do you think the reason why we see this much turnover and it's so volatile is because the people on top have been predominantly strikers as opposed to wrestlers. No. Do you think wrestling as a base, as in GSP, wrestling as a base leads, Habib, leads to the ability to carry a title longer because it's less threats if that is your base and you're just grounding people? No. No. I just think you focus on one discipline, you can win the title. If that discipline is wrestling, it's a lot harder for someone to beat you than it is that one discipline you're striking. No, it's not. Really? Look at the history of the look at the history of every weight class. Kobe Covington's base has been wrestling. He ain't shit. <laughs> Kamara Usman's base was wrestling. And his run was. But but did, did he use wrestling? No, no. He's throwing hands. So who else are we talking about? 
Like who is foundational foundation has been wrestling that has a long run of champion as a champion? Habib and GSP. How long was Habib's run as champion? Cormier, if he didn't run into John Jones. How long was Habib's run as champion? Oh, his run as champion was only like three years, but his run in general, he was, no. I mean, he never lost. That, I mean, it's, it's great, but it was 19 fights, right? Sure. And Habib is very unique. Coming. Yeah, but my, my, my point is, is that they're not, the re, Habib is, is a unique example because they slow played Habib because weight, you know, weight cutting issues. And it there was, was a lot of shit not, that happened yeah. with Habib. But you look at every champion in the UFC right now, for the most part, O'Malley raced up the ladder. Perea raced up the ladder. Uh, Tom Aspinall raced up the ladder. Izzy. Izzy raced up the ladder. Right? Connor raced up the ladder. You go down that list, striking is the dominant reason why people become champions. But it's not the reason why they they lose. Exactly. It's not the reason why they stay champions. So it's such a volatile discipline because if you're not a striker, the fans don't give a fuck about you. Fans don't like submission. Fans like knockouts. So Connor knocking people out was what the fans wanted. They did well. They was like, Frankie Egg was like, hey, what about me? And they was like, not you. One, two, skip a few. Chad, the only reason why Chad Mendes got that fight is because he rolled off the couch. Yeah. Jose Aldo fought Connor, and Jose Aldo was tremendous, but it was striker versus striker, essentially. Israel Adesanya fought Kelvin Gastelum. He fought Marv Vittori. Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker, Derek Brunson. And Jerry Kennedy. Well, after he won the title. But these are all strikers. Was Kennedy not a title? No, he defended the title. Against oh, I'm, yeah, saying, yeah. I'm talking about his way up. Yeah, way up. Perea was what? Strickland, some other guy. Izzy. Beat the shit out of Sean Strickland. Like, John, and this, again, this is why John Jones is the greatest mixed martial artist that ever lived. This motherfucker just don't lose. It doesn't happen. Never uses wrestling. It doesn't. Even well, that, he threw DC around like a rad dog, and then he just won this title off of strictly wrestling. I sure. mean, look, Volk beat another striker, Max Holloway. But then he ran to a buzzsaw named Ilya Taporia, which I think is almost inevitable because striker versus striker these little ass gloves leaves the margin for error for that. So as long as you're explosive, the Poirier can knock you out. Anybody can knock anybody out. So even but then he can get chinned. They the all can time. get chinned. Sean O'Malley, striker, raced up the ladder. Yeah. There's a reason. Cheeto could kick his leg off tomorrow. But they're, they're setting that fight up because they know Cheeto will strike with him. If Marab fights him, the UFC already knows. Oh, he's probably going to lose that. So, Take his ass down. so we don't have. So what we need to do is build a star that's good enough to sell a pay per view, but not good enough to sell themselves, right? So it's like if I get too good, you're gonna come asking me for more money. It's like I ain't gonna do that because you might lose your next fight. Yeah. But sell my pay per view. That's your job. There, they are not gonna. There's never going to be another Conor McGregor. It was a mistake, and it's over now. I never say never. No, it, they're never gonna. They're, they're not going to let another individual have that kind of power over if the promotion. for any reason, Sean O'Malley, and it's hard to get to Conor like this, but Sean O'Malley beats Cheeto, beats Marab, goes up, say Ilya's still champion, beats Ilya sure. in a three-fight run, in a perfect fucking world. Yeah. Say he starches all three of them, boom, 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 and then says, I'm going to fight Tank. They say no. 
100%. Not this again. No, fuck. Because, because that would push him to Connor level. Because, one, the UFC's... So could be. The UFC's, not gonna let it the UFC's looking at it like, he's probably going to lose one of these guys. Yes. Hunter and, and Dana is like, man, it's fucking Tank. But if you were to keep winning, he's like, I want Tank. They're like, absolutely not. Because if you fight Tank, fuck you, can come back to us for, for this million-dollar bag. Just made fifteen million. It was the biggest mistake the UFC ever made, and they're never going to do it again. Francis Ngannou. What is this calling card? Show him the door. Like Francis knockouts. knockouts. Amanda Nunez. What was your calling card? I let you just sit, Ronda. I'm gonna beat the brakes off you. Cyborg. What was your calling card? She had good jujitsu, but if I put a hand on you, you're going to sleep. Yeah. So, the only divisions. Flyweight, Davidson Figueroa and Brandon Moreno have those wars, and nobody cares about either of them now. Look, Brandon Moreno's headlining Mexico. Let's say he's about to fight. We're about he, to talk about this fight right now. He's headlining Mexico, but he ain't making a million dollars. No. He ain't making half a million dollars. He's fighting on a fight night. Probably around 300K. He's fighting on a fight night. I don't think he's making 300K. Henry Cejudo made $150,000. You going to tell me that Brandon Moreno's making more money? Yeah, it's in Mexico City. It's not at the Apex. You like, think the UFC cares where they stage the fight at? No, there's a lot of people. You got some gate. Give the man three hundred k. Like, who, like, you think Whaley Zhang's making a ton of money? No. No one's making If you judge the impact of the fighters by the fight purse, you are going to come up very short in your arguments of anyone who matters. Bro, Alexa Grasso's the champ. What? She could walk down this hallway outside of the studio right now, and not one person would stop Alexa Grasso. And Valentina Shevchenko, we thought she was unbeatable. Yep. We thought Amanda Nunez was unbeatable. Still can't believe she lost. Him. Nobody is unbeatable. And Taporia just proved that because he didn't go out there and do mixed martial arts. He went out there and boxed. He beat Volkanovski in a kickboxing match. There was no takedowns. There was no shooting. It's hardly any clinch work. Just let me land this right hand and see what happens. And Vogue went to sleep. It's a good plan. You got that it's right a great, hand. It's a great plan. And it works. But this is why the UFC is like, we ain't making no more Conor McGregor's. We are not focusing on talent. We're focusing on making fights. Which is why UFC 300, while people are complaining, it's like, shut the fuck up. That card is stacked. It is, but I'm the one that people complain. You can complain. What does it mean? What do you Alex mean? Pereira, the main event of UFC 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Pereira has 11 total fights. Sure. He's 9 and 2. Uh huh. Yes, he is champion. Yep. Jamal Hill, 13 total fights. Mm-hmm. He was champion. Yeah. Man has two thumbs up on his chest, which we just need to get redone. That's all right. You don't got to get rid of him. Just get touched up. A little bit better of an artist. Mm-hmm. Weili Zhang is in the co main event mm-hmm. defending. Strawway title. The real main event of his card is just engaging Max Holloway. And then Charles Oliveira, Saruki. If those were the main and co-main events, I'd be like, hey, this is not bad. Is it going to stop people from buying the card? No, people buy this anyway. Thank you. This is my point. Like, is yo, it going to sell more than $299? No, and $300 probably should. It's a flagship. But we don't know, right? We're not going to know the numbers. No, we don't. We can only speculate. So UFC 300 is stacked. In terms of quality of fights, it's stacked. Yeah. People were like, as soon- Bo Nickel, Kayla Harrison, Cody Garbrandt. It's fucking stacked. Figueredo. This shit's stupid. It, Davis and Figueredo, for, former champions, fighting on the prelims, bro. Fighting on the prelims. This card is stacked. 
my point is that, yeah, when they announced the UFC 300 man event is Alice Perea versus Jamal Hill, it landed like a wet fart, right? Like, everybody was like, what? They didn't announce it on broadcast. No, but for a reason, they like, they went to IG. It doesn't matter because this sport isn't built on stars. They don't care. They don't care. Old world. Max Holloway is fighting for a fake belt when his ass should have sat down and waited for the outcome of this fight. Oh, yeah. He got to be upset. He's not. They'll give him the fight anyway. But, but the problem is the timelines get fucked up. Yeah. Volk will probably have to run it back with Tapuria. Max, Max will I, need some time. They're not going to give Volk the rematch. I don't, I don't believe. Unless they have nobody. What happens is if Yair Rodriguez reaches Brandon, uh, or Brian Ortega, Yair gets to fight against Tapuria. Guaranteed. That's good matchmaking. It is, but that's what's going to happen. We're crushing the Spanish market. Spanish versus Mexico, huge fight. But that shit in Spain, now we're cooking. Huge fight. They're not going to wait on Max. Max about to get the shit beat out of him. Yeah, yeah. Max going to need some time. Like Max, the <laughs> UFC, I love Max. The UFC should have never booked this fight, and Max should have never accepted it. But in his wild brain, he was like, "Yeah, I can, I can win the BMF title. Who cares about a fake title, bro? Like the real title's at forty-five. How much you paying me?" That title may not mean anything. But it's the third fight on the card. But to a lot of people, it's the main event because two guys with the biggest name recognition. Because yep. nobody cares about Jamal Hill and Alice Prayer like that. No. Nobody cares about Yan Zionin and Whaley Zhang like that. But you buy This is the difference in boxing. You don't buy the card because of the main event. UFC fans buy the card because of the card. Yeah. And this card is it's loaded. Like, oh. How many champions do we have on this card? Champions and former champions. Alice Prayer. Jamal Hill, uh-huh. Willie Zhang, uh, Aljamain Sterling, Justin Gaethje, if you can't enter him, yep. Max, Max Holloway, Holloway uh, Cody Garbrandt, yep. Davidson Figueredo. There's nothing but champions on this card. And if not, then everybody else, Yuri Prohaska, um, Charles Oliveira, Aljo. Like, this card is loaded with champions. And then you have, again, Bo Nickel. But it's not a selling uh, point. Holly Holm. Yeah, Holly Holm. Kayla Harrison. Uh, again, a prospect or a champion coming down the card. Jessica Andrade? Yeah, former champion. But we loaded this card, and the selling point is we don't have a bunch of former champions. The selling point is these are good fights. Yeah. So It's going to be a great night of fights. Yeah, Alex Perea versus Jamal. I wish it was a little more oomph on it. But, but what does it mean? The UFC ain't in here to sell it you. It only means something because 100 and 200 were like, they made it a thing. Like, yo, these are the holy grail. Only because 100 was fucking. I mean, even 100, it was Brock Lesnar, right? Yeah. It was Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir. It was uh, GSP versus Tiago Alves. John Jones was buried on that card. Yeah. Like, um, that card is stupid when you look back. Dan Henderson and, and Michael Bisping. Uh, I was there. I, I was there for 100 and 200. But in the grand scheme of things, like, even if you look at 200, like, go back and look at 200. Nah, the fight fell through. That was, that was tough. It was John and DC was supposed to be the main yeah. thing. And it's still on my credential at home. And, like their faces. Uh, Brock versus Mark Hunt. Like, what? Yeah. Which ended up in a lawsuit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it ended up being Amanda Nunez and Misha Tate. Is Brock Lesnar not the main event? No. Of UFC 100? No. That's some shit. Uh, Jose Aldo fought Frankie Edgar that night. I would tell you. Yep. So, we have Filthy Tom Lawler. <laughs> yeah, he was a pro wrestler. Uh, BTB Dalloway. Uh, Don Hyun Kim. BTJ Grant. John Jones. Submitted Jake O'Brien, Jim Miller. Are you talking about 100? 
100. Yeah. Jim Miller uh, picked up a win, still fighting. Mark Coleman beat Stephen Bonner. Then... The Godfather grounded pound. Yo, Akiyama opened the main card. Hendo beat Bisping. Yeah, he killed him. Man. With an H-bomb. Yes. Uh, George St. Pierre, Tiago Alves. Yep. Uh, lay and pray. That was a stinker. Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir. And then John Fitch, Paulo Tiago. This is going to be a lot like UFC 100. Where people are going to be like, yo, what was the main event? Don't matter. No fucking clue. Because I could not have picked the UFC 100 main event out if you would have been like, yo, for a million dollars. The My point is, is that they're selling UFC 300. They're not selling a fight. They're selling us the 300th UFC pay-per-view. That's it. Well, this weekend, there's that card, too. Uh, we're about to talk to Chris Duncan here in like two minutes. But Chris Duncan, Manuel Torres, we're picking Chris Duncan there because he's on the show. Um, Raul Rosas Jr. in Mexico City. That should be fun. A young star there. But it's really co-main and main. Yari Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. Man, that's a good fight. Last time I ended in I hope. Look, man, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a stern believer in Brian Ortega for yeah, like a long City. time. But, but so much time has passed. So much, there's been so many gaps in his fighting. Yair's gotten better. I think Yair beats him. I think T City subs him. He could look. I don't know what Yair's ground game is, but I'm pretty sure it's non-existent. Not as good as Brian Ortega's. Look, if you're looking, listening to this show to find picks, find another fucking show to listen to. <laughs> because horrible. none of us know shit anymore. No. Sean Strickland beat Israel Adesanya. Like, there's so much shit that happens that I'm like, it all I away. just, I don't care. I'm going to pick Yair. Good fucking luck. We'll see what happens. Uh, Moreno versus Roy Val. Brandon Moreno's going to win this fight. Roy no. Val is really good. Yeah. I don't know. I th- I'm picking Moreno's too, but I don't know shit anymore. I don't. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. Man, it's like I talk MMA all week. All, like, I, talk, I do this I shit talk. for a living, and I don't know what's happening. I'm not going to pretend like I know what happens in these little ass gloves. I don't know. <laughs> Sit out and enjoy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's going to be fun, though. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a good card. You guys don't go anywhere, though. We're coming back right after this with Chris Duncan chopping it up. He's in Mexico City. Uh, the old man got to run out of here, but I'll hold it down, talk to Chris, and talk to him about this fight week, what it's like being hostile territory, what it's like to be a Scottish fighter, and, and the pride he takes in that. So you guys don't go anywhere. Be right back right after this. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, everybody, as promised, we are here with our guest this week, the UFC's Chris Duncan joining us before his fight this upcoming weekend. Chris, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. I hear the cars going by in the background. Everyone wants to see Chris Duncan this week, including the people honking at you, man. So thanks for taking some time out. Yeah, not a problem, man. It's a busy, busy, busy city in Mexico City. So 
Um, I'm just glad to be here. Lovely people, lovely food. So ready to knock somebody out on Saturday night. What is it like going into that environment? And, you know, the city doesn't get a ton of UFC cards. There are Mexican champions now, tons of Mexican fighters on the card. You're coming in as someone they theoretically should boo in this fight. What is it like for you going into that atmosphere? Bring it on. Bring it on. Um, like, uh, I love the hostile environment. I'm Scottish. I've been brought up like that. It's hostile back home. Um, and, I, and I thrive in this sort of environment. You know, people were saying to me, be careful the altitude. It's going to be hard. But I was like, it's all mindset, you know. I, you do everything in preparation uh, and the lead up to the fight. Like, I was sleeping in an altitude tent. Came here two weeks early. There's nothing else I can do. So, it's all in. When you have to kind of, you know, change your schedule and your rhythm for a fight like this, when you got to get there two weeks early, is there anything that you feel like, man, this is tougher than normal? Or is it something that you kind of embrace, that, that little bit of change from a normal fight week? Um, sometimes the change is good, i.e. like just now, like I'm having to go outside to get some, some more food. Um, it kind of passes the time. But like you don't get the, the, the familiarities like you would at home. Like, you go to the shop, you have your own car, so um, that's the only downfall to it. But it's, uh, it's cultural. You get to, to see the culture, enjoy the culture, um, and just enjoy it and be in the moment. That's one thing we often don't get to ask the fighters that come through here for interviews and MMA, boxers, everything in general. A lot of it is travel. You get to see a bunch of different cities, a bunch of different cultures. How cool is that? as part of the job, because of course you're there to knock somebody out, but there's other things to embrace because it might be one of the cases where this might be your only time ever in Mexico city. Yeah, for sure. You know, everybody thinks about the destination, but doesn't think about the journey. So, um, I'm, I'm thriving on it. I love it. Um, it's part of the game. I've got to get used to it. Um, I'm, I'm very well traveled. I've traveled all my life. Uh, I live in New Zealand. I traveled to Thailand to train. So, this sort of shit is like just water off a duck's back. Um, so, like I say, I embrace it, use it as strength, and I look forward to Saturday night. You mentioned adversity and kind of coming through that. You you live in that. You've had several fights fall out over the past couple of years. Hasn't phased you. You're on a huge winning streak, bringing that into this, uh, into this fight this weekend. How are you so easy to adapt when you are training for an opponent, that fight falls out, whatever, bring me whoever's next, and you just keep winning? None of that seems to phase you. Um, there's a saying back home in Scotland, it's called piss with the cock you've got. So you just got to deal with the cards you're dealt and move on. You know, everything in this life, everything in this life is not guaranteed. So you need to just chip on, move on, get moving. And there's not going to be anybody but yourself feeling sorry for you. So uh, just keep keep chapping, as I say, back home. And now, again, when you have a four-fight winning streak in the UFC, you start to look up in the rankings, right? You start to actually look at the divisions and see, and you can structure those goals. Not many people can go on a winning streak like that in this company. When, when you look at this and, and you look, okay, this weekend, you have a tough fight. Opponents 11-1. and one. But when you win this, are you looking at, okay, I, I want someone in the top 15, someone in top 10. Is, do you already have your mindset on those future goals? I think I'll need another couple of fights before top 15. But, uh, yeah. So, I always used to say to my girlfriend, 
and all my close families that my dream is to be in the UFC and I now lost that dream. Um, now when I blow the candles, I can't wish I'm in the UFC, so I'm already there. So um, now the candles will be blown out for top 15. So uh, that is the goal. Uh, whether that be in this next contract or not, I don't know. But um, as long as the money's right and the opponents are right, you know, for the money, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just chip chapping all the way to the top. Well, now you have Manuel Torres in Mexico City, tough opponent, but he kind of gets some of that home cooking, right? The fans are gonna be rooting for him, all that stuff. You're going into hostile environment. You look at a guy like last weekend, Ilya Taporia wins. He has Dana for a fight in Spain. Dana's like. That sounds like a good idea. Is there somewhere in your mind where you're like, man, this is great, but I one day I want to fight at home. I want to fight in Scotland. I want to fight in front of those fans and bring something back there and just be part of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Scotland card is definitely due. Um, I feel if Paul Craig had won his main event um, back a couple months ago, we would have had a, a Scotland event this year scheduled, but uh, that's not happened, so... Another couple of fights with myself and a lot of shouting and uh, pinching Dana and pushing Dana to try and get us to Scotland. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah, you look at it. The the fans there seem to be so so passionate. I know uh, the WWE went there not too long ago because uh, their guy Drew McIntyre ended up going back, and you know he had a home uh, home event there, and the Scottish fans really rallied behind him and everything. What makes Scottish fans and fighters so different? from everyone else because there is a different passion that you can't really recreate. I think it's due to the, the historical events that happened in the past, due to the, uh, the wars and it's the English and, and stuff like that. You know, there's a, there's a lot of history there and it's a lot of bonding uh, and a lot of primal fighters, you know, brought, born and bred from that country. So I think that's what separates us from the most. Um, we're very passionate and proud to be Scottish. Uh, well, I know, I know I am, and I know 90% of my friends are. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful country to be from, and I hold it really close to my heart, and I'll be wearing that flag around my neck when I walk out on Saturday night. You mentioned that for a while. You guys couldn't wear the flags out to the, to the octagon and everything. It must feel good going into, you know, Mexico, but still having your country with you. When you're, when you're doing that and you know everyone's rooting for you, is there... Is it kind of a boost or is it added pressure going into this fight against Torres, knowing that, like, okay, I'm fighting for me, but also I'm fighting for a lot of other people as well because there's not, like, a ton of fighters from Scotland and the UFC that people can look up to? No. No, no, definitely. There's, there's not any pressure as such. My country will be behind me by, by all means. Um, they're, they're such a, a strong, strong favorite for, for the fighter. So uh, there's no pressure. But there's definitely a great sense of pride when I carry that flag out. And when you go to the Octagon, how do you see this fight going? Because on paper, it looks like, well, the judges can pack up and go home, right? It looks like you guys are, are going to go yeah. in there. It's time to bang. And you're, somebody's going to get their hand raised, but the judges don't got to be involved in that. When you think about this fight, ideally, how do you see it going for you on Saturday? It has to. It has to be a finish. It has to be because this is the last fight in my contract before I can renegotiate. So I want all the cards in my hand to renegotiate better money, better pay, um, and then the rest is history. So I'm going in for the finish. Uh, anything less is a bust. With that, I mean, we, we hear about fighter pay. We hear about, you know, you got to get your foot in the door. Does 
when you're fighting? Does it creep up? What I also got to be exciting because so many fighters go in there and think you just have to win. But a lot of the times, the guys we see in the UFC for 13, 14, 15 years, they'll lose two, win two. It doesn't matter. The exciting ones seem to get paid and stay around. Yeah, you, you got to remember how you got there. I've had two decisions, but I've had one really good, good, uh, good performance. My first, my first uh, debut. I'm going to put that in the back burner. That wasn't a, a good fight for me. Uh, I was really badly injured going into that fight, um, and I had to wrestle a little bit more than I wanted. Um, and also, I'm one to to. I was a little bit starstruck when I walked UFC cage. So um, the more I'm getting in there, and the better I'm feeling. And like as you seen from my last performance of Yan uh, Yanal Ashmus, it was just an absolute like wipeout, you know. Yep. So next next on the cards is going to be a finish for me. Yeah, can't wait to see you get back to that. Like you mentioned, starting off your career, it was finishes galore. So it's one of those things where the more you get comfortable, now several fights into the UFC, we really get to see what you're really capable of. So everyone's looking forward to that. Give me the prediction then. I know it's a finish. When do you finish him? How do you finish him this weekend? Second round, either submission or knockout. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't really care. I don't care. Uh, I need to get him out there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have him gasping for air. Put it that way. I love it, man. It's so entertaining. Again, uh, following your journey through the contender series to where you are now, and taking any fight. Taking any fight anywhere, you're truly a warrior, and I can't wait to see you fight this weekend. Everyone, Chris Duncan, thank you for joining us. Thanks, man. Thank you for your time. Of course. Enjoy. Get that food. Yes, bro. <laughs> I appreciate you. Everyone, that's Chris Duncan. Make sure you guys see you, man. watch him this weekend. The UFC goes to Mexico City. Going to be one hell of a card. Man, between the pay-per-views com coming up, the pay-per-view we just had that we just spoke about, and then this card, the UFC is not playing games over the next couple of months. It is really, really exciting to watch. Anything can happen, and the fighters and the fights are just getting better and better and better. So we appreciate you all. Make sure you guys show support by watching Chris this weekend. Show support to us by going to Patreon, following us on there, checking out all our episodes, all our videos, on there, shout out to everyone here, Blue Art Studios, Wind Resort in Las Vegas, everyone in the booth for making this happen. We appreciate you all. Till next time, we're out. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.